Well, get everyone, it's Wesley here from Business Blessings, and we're up to episode 17 of the Sacrificial Succession podcast. We're really powering along here, Paul. We are. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> A few it's more great. to go, though. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, today's topic is so fascinating, the Judas, Judas principle. So we all know about how Judas portrayed Jesus in the Bible. But sadly, Paul, it's still happening today. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it's just something that we have to be prepared for without being cynical about um, and recognize that if we think we're too smart to be cheated or betrayed, uh, then we're pretty well already done. (laughs) (laughs) That's very blunt. (laughs) But but it does happen. And and it may be a little betrayal, it may be a large betrayal, but it does happen. Um, you referred to here Psalm 41.9, even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food has turned against me. Uh, and and th- there is such a hurt in that that happens, isn't there? Yeah. And, you know, that's why I premised what I said. You know, one of the things that is a real challenge, at least for me, is that um, it's hard not to be cynical. Yes. Um, about the, the, you know, the realization that if you're working with enough people, the reality is that someone in that organization uh, will be a Judas. And, you know, what I often pray for myself and I'm mindful of myself as well is I could be that person and not even realize it. I, Yes, I'd have to agree. Like, and and it's not, and sometimes it's not because you're being nasty or vindictive about it. It's just sometimes, yeah, you know, things happen, and things. Well, happen. I do. I mean, if you look at, you know, and and we, for example, we look at Peter and um, and Judas as sort of the standouts. But if you think about it, actually, more than just um, Judas and Peter betray Jesus. Because it said all the disciples yes. and off. Um, and so, you know, what the point you were making earlier, it doesn't necessarily have to be a big betrayal. Yes. You know, sometimes it's just a series of small ones or, a, you know, a number of people working together. Um, but it's not always the Peters and the Judases. You know, a small betrayal can be the leak that eventually sinks the ship as well. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And Paul, you talk about the fact that it's not to be cynical about it or paranoid about it, but just be prepared for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that often, I mean, it's, it's like a lot of the other things that we've talked about with succession, you know, it's a little bit like death and taxes. It, it's something that's inevitable, but it's something we'd rather not think about, you know? Um, and of course you can become paranoid, but equally, you can become just blasé or not even um, have any sort of contingencies in place. And it was interesting that in the case of Jesus, he made it very clear. It wasn't like he just kept, you know, he kept silent about it. He actually identified and warned the people who had this tendency in them to betray, warned them about it you know and yet so often we keep these things under wraps and so 
um, you know, what I've always tried to do is be transparent. I can remember in our project in Myanmar, we had about 10 organisations that we were working with at the time and about 100 um, contractors on the ground. And it might have been a bit more. I think it was close to 12 or 13 because, you know, I used the example of Jesus and said, um, if we just look at stats and ratios, I said, I would... Um, be very surprised if there wasn't someone here, perhaps it's even me, who is a Judas for our organization. And everyone was, oh man, this guy's a prophet, et cetera, et cetera. You know, and I said, I'm no prophet, but I am a pragmatist. And I, and I said, you know, suggesting to yourself that you've got better odds than Jesus. And then by virtue of that suggestion what you're really saying is well jesus perhaps wasn't smart enough to be able to sort this out but i am uh wow that's um that's a pretty arrogant attitude and it's a very it's, dangerous yeah. one because yeah. it's not true <laughs> it's very very dangerous territory to go you know um and so yeah they were like wow well sure enough not too long afterwards we had to get rid of one of those people and it was a very messy and very painful um situation because he didn't want to go and a lot of the people around him partly because of the culture but you know people don't like to lose face and they don't like to expose things oh but we're a bit like that sometimes in our own cultures as well Something should have been exposed a long time ago and we let it slide and that situation can become a Judas. It doesn't always have to be a person, um, but it's usually someone does something that ultimately betrays us because we didn't deal with it early on. And, yeah, there's a few situations in the news right now, perhaps, that if they yes. had been dealt with as they arose, then things could uh, perhaps have been, uh, you know, outworked themselves differently. So is, is that part of just being, so being aware, which is why one of the reasons why we're talking about this, but having some stuff in place so that when it does happen, uh, people know where to stand and, and what's going to go through and there's policies and procedures to follow? Well, I mean, it's, it's challenging, I think, sometimes to you know, enact policies and procedures um, for these sorts of things, but it's more about being prepared and anticipating them, you know, um, and just and just being awake to it. You know, here we, you know, the, this verse here in Psalm 41.9, you know, sort of one of David's laments. Um, well, the reality is he did the same to others. And if we look you know, at his family and and his situation. He was a man that was mightily blessed by God, but the consequences of his actions, you know, he betrayed uh, the general um, because he wanted uh, to take Bathsheba, his wife, so he betrayed him to death. Um, you know, so David himself uh, also was... Um, taking those steps that ultimately led to him betraying someone else and the lament about Absalom, his son, in some ways is just part 
of the consequences of his own actions. So I think we also have to be you know, very careful that we're not always looking for Judas's outside of ourselves, but making sure that we're not doing things and taking steps and making decisions that ultimately means we'll betray other people. I'm reminded of the three things, the gold, the glory, and the girls. And <laughs> like, like sometimes we don't know just how much. I mean, obviously David was affected by Bathsheba and did all those things to, um, well, to keep his own actions <laughs> covered up in some ways. Um, but we probably don't realize sometimes how much those things actually affect us ourselves. And, and it is very easy to, to justify our actions at times. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and perhaps you could say that um, Solomon, as the son of David and Bathsheba, perhaps continued on, um, you know, some of the weaknesses that um, were in his father, he inherited them and continued on quite comfortably with them himself. In fact, probably uh, worse than his father. So, you know, these are, we just have to be really mindful of that. And um, I think perhaps more than looking at policies and procedures, I mean, certainly there are things that perhaps could be written in to, um, you know, contingency plans and things like that. What, what we found was just to be aware, just to be aware and to talk about it and say, listen, be prepared for it. Uh, and I, w- I can tell you right now, without exception, in every one of our projects, mind you, they're large-scale projects. Yeah. But, um, you know, I would say if you are around about the 12 core people, and you expect that one of them uh, is not going to betray you in some way, then, um, yeah, you need to rethink. Uh, But we found without exception, we've had Judas's, and some of them have been very dangerous for our organisation. As I mentioned in my notes to you, you know, in one case, um, a very close colleague flew halfway around the world to try and, I mean, essentially to betray me. Yes. Yeah. Um, in another case, we had someone, one of our top people, uh, steal a database of all of our contacts and connections in what was a very dangerous uh, place where Islamic fundamentalism and radicalism and there was religious tension, um, you know, where people could potentially be killed. And this person tried to sell that database to a radical organization. Um, because he got himself into debt. So it's, it's not, you know, betrayal is not, as you've you know, just hinted to or, or alluded to with David, it's not just one decision. No. It's often that a bad decision is made, often about money. Not always, as you say, it's gold and girls, but, um, and it can be men sometimes. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, but the point is, yes. It's usually not the initial thing that results in the betrayal. No. It's allowing something to go on um, when perhaps we shouldn't allow it to go on. Normally, we're aware of something not being quite right, but our natural tendency is to say, oh, well, oh, well certainly mine. 
one of the areas I really need to work on sometimes is, oh, you know, I'm a fairly easygoing person. It's like, well, pragmatic, uh, it'll work itself out. And sometimes it does. And sometimes that is the best approach. As a rule, when it comes to a Judas, it's not the best approach. <laughs> and it's very interesting, you know, depending on who this saying is attributed to, um, Sun Tzu, you know, the art of war or Machiavelli, perhaps, you know, it's, or may not have been either, but that's, it tends to be the suggestion, you know, keep your um, friends close and your enemies even closer. Uh, and it's interesting that Jesus, uh, in a sense, did that. He didn't try and push Judas and Peter away. He kept them as close to him as he possibly could without pretending that everything was okay. You know, he made it very clear and he identified, if you continue going down this path, you are in severe danger of betraying us. I, I do sometimes wonder about what were the other discussions that are not recorded in the Bible between Jesus and Judas. Although there were some, like, um, because Jesus was handling the money, he was, he was very generous. He was giving to the poor. The disciples assumed, you know, a lot of times that, um, that it was about giving to the poor and things like that. But he, he obviously had a history of this as well. And Jesus seemed to have addressed it along the way. But in the end, it was his downfall. Yeah, and I mean, perhaps it was also in the case of Judas, a different agenda. You know, there's a lot of, a lot's been said there that perhaps, you know, he came from someone, you know, had had an agenda where it just, he realized sort of halfway down the track that now Jesus is not going to fulfill the agenda. I thought he was. In the case of Peter, it was more fear. You know, he got himself into a corner, didn't know how to get out of it. And that's often the case, often the way um, it happens as well. You know, for me, even though you're right, we don't know the conversations that they may have had. I do find it interesting that in all of the documented uh, cases in the Gospels, Jesus dealt with these things um, publicly. I don't mean publicly uh, in front of everybody, but everyone who needed to know appeared to be involved in the conversations, you know, in, in the passage of the vineyard workers where we talked about that, you know, Jesus gathered them together when they were talking about who's the greatest and addressed it together. He didn't address it, you know, didn't whisper to one person this. And, you know, this is a really important principle about dealing with Judas's is not to try and sort of keep everything secret because that's often what ultimately you know results in the betrayal or the wrongdoing in the first place is that the per that particular person tends to divide and conquer that's what judases uh tend to do and so by addressing things openly and as publicly as possible i've always found despite the risk as i mentioned there you know when we talked about transition, we talked about succession and handing over. Um, that was one of the fears that many of my colleagues had is, is that, you know, if you um, talk openly about this, then we, there will be spies in 
uh, our organization or Judas's who are going to pass that information on, you know, and we're talking large scale campaigns where, as I said, in East Timor, we had parliamentary inquiries about us in other countries. We had religious sort of um, tensions and blacklists. And they were like, well, what if people find out? And I said, well, far better to find out from us than find out from someone who does not have our interests, our best interests at heart. Yes. So, Paul, that, that's a very key management style, isn't it? To actually be be open and honest with all your staff about this is what's going on, or at least the key players involved in it. Because otherwise it creates, um, it does create a lot of tension. And then people start thinking the worst, and then they're not performing to their best level either in the organisation. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, yes, it is a risk. And yeah, I'll be honest that I've had many of my colleagues um, disagree with me on this. Yes. Um, but, um, you know, thankfully, because I was the one that was running the projects, I said, no, I'm, I, until I'm proven wrong, uh, you know, that this is not the right approach, uh, then, uh, and that doesn't mean that there's not a risk involved, risks involved, yes. Yes. but you know, I, I, I just believe that it's the right way to do it. That doesn't mean everybody needs to know everything at all times. What it means is, is that when we need to communicate something important that everybody that needs to know knows. Nice. And usually it's a lot more people than we tend to allow yes. um, to know. You know, it often happens in churches like, we just need to address things. Yeah. Something's happened. We must address it. No, we just smile and we talk about it. Um, and everybody's whispering and gossiping, which we're not supposed to do. Um, and it happens in, in organizations as well. And so we, we just found because of the level of risk, we needed to be open and transparent. And we were. And so far, you know, by God's grace, I've not been proven wrong. Yeah. No one's come back to me and say, you know what? If we hadn't shared openly, it would have been much better. Yeah. <laughs> but you, but like the other thing with that, it is it does dispel the gossip. It does dispel the rumours because, and also it means that if something's going on and you are openly communicating with your staff and the key key players, it means that they feel like that they can come to you and be open and communicating with you as well. So it's it's a two-way thing, isn't it? Yeah. And it also it also means that it often clears up the the sort of issues you know we we saw that with the disciples. You know, everyone was sort of jockeying for power. Yeah. And and instead of trying to sort of, you know, I guess play chess in a way, Jesus just gathered them together and said, listen, guys, this is just the way it is. I don't make decisions about successes on my own. My father, you know, the trustees, the board, nothing is, I am not making any promises without involving them. And so we worked, you know, like I've mentioned before, we, we, we work through whatever hierarchies we have in place, but eventually we go right through down to uh, everybody, you know, and, and, and we're talking thousands of people um, 
in the organisations that we've worked with or projects that we've worked with. So eventually, thousands of people are going to hear exactly what our plans are, who the successors are, how we're going to do it. And that's why it's so important as we focus in on sacrificial succession in particular, because that succession is often where the Judases arise, um, not always, by the way, is that we need to be um, clear about the steps. You know, this is what's going to happen. People need to know this is what's going to happen. And these are the people that are going to help make it happen. Um, and, and we've just found that it, it really alleviates sometimes so much of the tension um, that is felt in a transition because everybody knows there's a transition, yes. um, but it's not talked about. Every, no. you know, like It's not talked about, so everyone pretends it's not happening, but everyone knows it does and is. So at the same time, you're actually training others because, okay, well, say, for example, it may be the top successor who's being replaced, but all throughout the organisation, there's always this continual succession that's happening um, so if you're setting that as the benchmark at the high level, it's going to flow down all the way down the organisation. Absolutely. And as you've read in my book and anyone who's read my book, we are super, super intentional about this. Yeah. And when I first started out working this in our project in East Timor, this became a condition, a contractual condition of continuing the work with us was that any one who wanted to continue as a project manager, they had to agree. So it was written into their contract. They needed to prepare at least two people um, who they could hand over the work. Some of them were not willing to do that. And as a result, we were very clear then that your uh, contract will not be renewed and you will be sent home. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why we're from a hundred, we ended up with about 50. Yes. Because there was a large number who said, no, we don't want to do that or we don't feel we can. You know, we're honest and say, look, I, I, don't, I don't think I can do that or hang on a minute. That wasn't really part of the original contract. Um, no, we don't want to do that. Um, through to those who said, you know what, this was the hardest thing to do, but I'm so thankful that you stuck at it and helped us because we can see, you know, through, as Junior said, you know, we can see through that next generation, the sustainability. So, yeah, it's being very, very intentional. So those sort of things we do need to be intentional about. I think in terms of Judas's, because we don't always know where they're going to pop up and when they're going to pop up, it's more about principles. Yes, of course. I mean, you're an accountant, so you're, you're very much processes. Yes, there can be processes put in place, especially to do with finances, you know, which we've, we, we do. All of my projects run on a triangulated system. So there must always be three sources of data. And all, we'll talk about that's one of the principles we'll talk about later on. Yeah. Uh, and always three sources in a sense of authority or sign off. So there's three different people who have um, agreed or approved with a report or request for finance. So yes, there are, but when it comes to a Judas, unfortunately, they're often the people closest 
and often the people that we trust the most and often the people that we never expected. You know, Judas's are not usually the people we think, ah, you know, like, in, yeah, uh, done it. oh, right. That's who it was. No, unfortunately, that's what David said exactly is 100%. It's usually the people that you think, I thought I could trust that person with my life and I can't. Which, which hurts the most, Paul. I mean, that's, that's the other thing with this, isn't it? Because generally you're taken by surprise that that's what's happened. And, and then, then you feel like an idiot because you didn't see what was happening. Oh, it hurts. Let's, yeah. let's be honest, Wes. It really hurts. Yeah. yeah. When the people closest to us that we expect have our back. Yes. You know, and because they have our back, like it's really easy to stab us in the back. Yeah. Um, and yes, I mean, I'm writing this out of experience. I'm not right. This is not, it's not, <laughs> you've read my book. It's yeah, not, yeah. A, I mean, yes, there's tons of research in it. It's not a theoretical book. Uh, this stuff happened to me. It happened to us and it's affected us. Uh, and we've learned from it. And by God's grace, you know, we're better for it. But um, would I wish anyone to go through it? Absolutely not. No. And it's like I have a case where one of my um, clients actually, um, I was in their office one day. We're actually just praying through the office. And I said to him, mate, something is wrong with your sales manager. I said, I just, so I know whether God was, well, I, I know God was telling me that. And he assured me, Wes, it's all okay. He's been the best sales manager we have. There is nothing wrong with him, all this stuff. Within two weeks, he had taken the whole sales staff by, by two. So I'm talking seven staff and set up in opposition to him. And they never, ever recovered from that. And the business ended up closing down. I, like I have a lot of regrets around that, that I wasn't strong enough with him but you know sometimes you just got this niggling feeling from god and he's telling you something um and you don't know um surely this is not right but in that case it was um in some cases it's not some other cases i I know i felt god say something to me about someone but it was more that you actually needed down to sit down and have a conversation with them um and see what was going on and sometimes you can nip that in the bud um, but if you don't do that, like you said, it, it can it can literally destroy the organisation. Yeah, and I I think you know what you've highlighted there, unfortunately, is the reality of most betrayals is that they're not a neat package that you can sort of wrap up and put aside. Uh, I, I was thinking as you were sharing that. You know, one of our projects, um, we, we had a similar situation where, you know, the best accountants and, and auditors in oh, a couple of cases I can think of actually, but the best accountants and auditors in the organization, in a sense, suspected that something was not quite right. And I remember being asked to look at the books and I'm no accountant but I guess I've got a good eye for patterns. Yes. And again, I just said, I have no idea how to explain this, like from an accounting perspective, but I said, it's not, there's something wrong here. 
and I said, my suspicion is that these are sort of, there are bank accounts being used in a sense to sort of wash or launder money. I said, I don't know how they're doing it, but I said, um, be assured that there's something wrong. Um, and obviously their response was, well, if we don't have proof, it's very hard to, you know, to, to be able to do anything. And yeah, sure enough. Um, yeah, we had a Judas. All right. Uh, and so it's, it's, I think it's why it's so important though, you know, in hindsight, I realize that what I should have done, like you were saying as well, is to perhaps be more open in talking about it. I guess my attitude was, well, all right, I'm not an accountant. I've sort of said my little piece. Um, I've covered my back in that sense of the word because it was it was minuted. Um, I said, you know, please write this down and minute it that I am very uncomfortable with this financial situation and I think there's something wrong with it. And it was noted, but... I wasn't able to put my finger on it. Um, and that's happened a couple of times. And in other cases, yeah, I've been uh, much more forceful. And uh, in the case of a franchise that I was working with, I said, I'm not going to put my name to selling this franchise because there's something wrong here. Um, and sure enough, there was. And then I, they were very unhappy with me, I can tell you, um, because they lost a lot of money from their perspective. Um, but no way. But yes, we, we learn. Um, and I think it's just about being open, transparent and saying, I think there's something wrong here. And I think you should be aware of it. Don't know what it is maybe, but yeah. Paul, I think it's, it's harder when you've got, um, when you, you start off with say two or three people or in this case, 12, like, and you're, you're, there's a high level of trust at the start, but over time that dissipates away and you've got to put stuff in place around them um, just because the organisation is growing and they say, but don't you trust me? But sometimes it's, it's not a matter of trust. It's a matter of being pragmatic about a situation say, these are the systems we need to have in place in order for us to grow. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, in that sense, um, you're right. You know, I mentioned we use triangulation as one way. I mean, it doesn't protect you completely, but yes. And you being an accountant, you you probably understand better than most people, um, you know, that there must be systems, checks and balances put into place, irrespective of the levels of trust that you have. I mean, that's part of just good governance. Um and I think, you know, those underlying processes and systems need to be there anyway. And, you know, we're blessed in Australia, you know, to, to be forced to do that. But unfortunately, they don't tend to protect you from a Judas. They do protect you in some cases, mostly from perhaps a greater loss you know, when we're talking finances and things like that. But as a rule, the problem with a Judas is that it's the destruction of the relationship, which is so much more damaging. Yes, of course, but, you know, it's almost always a lie. In other words, it's seldom true what the Judas has to say or what the Judas does, but it's enough 
you know, to cause a major, major uh, upset, um, you know, and that's part of what I feel, you know, I learned so much from studying how Jesus handled it was, of course, it must have been shattering, you know, for him to know that, you know, um, his people were, he couldn't trust them, but he was very open about the fact with them without you know being malicious without um being cynical um but he just made it very very clear that he was aware um and i think that we we need to do that you know we really need to do that so paul a very personal question how have you coped with those judas situations and how have you got over it yeah well, I mentioned a case with you, you know, that was a colleague. Um, my organisation handled it very, very well. Um, they didn't, because they were accusations made against me and my integrity. In that particular case, they completely removed me from the situation. I think I got sent, actually, I got sent to East Timor because I was looking at after the project there. They just said, um, just uh, go. We're not accusing you of anything. You're not being sent because we think you've done the wrong thing. I mean, interestingly, the very high level executive that my colleague brought to emphasize what, um, you know, the, the truth of what this person was saying, he actually said, you know what? I've only come here because this person is one of my employees. I want to be on the record up front to say my presence here in no way um, confirms what she's saying or in any way incriminates. Um, and so, you know, I was very thankful for that. It ultimately ended up in a dispute between these organizations <laughs> and guess who uh, was given the job of um, uh, working through that and actually negotiating that that was me. So, you know, they trusted me to, in a sense, fix up the problem, even though it really wasn't my fault, to be honest. Um, you know, of course, there was things I could do better. We can always learn to do better. But um, I, I think for me personally, Wes, one of the greatest lessons I've learned out of that because I think before that I actually probably was a cynic to some extent. If anything, I've probably learned to be less bitter and less cynical and just learn, you know what? That's part of sacrificial succession. And that's one of the biggest things I've learned. That's what Jesus was like. He wasn't bitter. Yes, he would have been shattered. And, and so was I. But I learned not to be bitter, not to hold on to it, learn to forgive, not necessarily to forget. Let's be really clear here, um, but learn to forgive and to say, okay, um, I am not going to let a betrayer define the way I deal with people. Uh, it's made me more cautious, but in some ways, perhaps less cynical and just more accepting of the fact that it's potentially can happen. I may not foresee it and I shouldn't beat myself up about it. But when I become aware of some of those little things, which you mentioned that I need to deal with them 
you know, when I see it, as I see it, I need to deal with it openly and honestly, whether people like it or not. You know, the thing to remember is when you're dealing with a Judas or it's often Judases that get influenced by that person, it's never comfortable because what is the, the first thing they want to do is fight back. You know, that's that's their favorite. Like, no, that's not true. You know, why are you saying that? We have to, as leaders, be confident enough in ourselves to say this does not feel right and I'm going to say so. And if I'm wrong, I'm willing to say sorry later on, but I'm not going to just say nothing. And I wonder if that's part of it because they're being betrayed as well. Like, how can you be saying that against that person? And they're thinking, hang on, but we put that trust in that. And, and if you are right, then then we've made a misjudgment ourselves. Absolutely. You know, we don't, we may say, you know, as Westerners, well, we don't really, we're not like Easterners about losing face. Uh, no, oh, yes. we don't want to lose face, but it's in a different way, you know. Yeah. We are very confident in our individualistic ability. So it's not, say, losing face as a group, perhaps, but it's saying, you know, oh, I don't want to admit, you know, like I made a judgment and I don't want my judgment being questioned about this person. And unfortunately, that's what it is. Oh, Paul, we've gone a bit over time today. <laughs> it's, such a key, it's such a key issue. You know, you've got... Got down here, my dogs are going ballistic about something today. This is Lord, give me the wisdom to see a betrayer and your love to deal with them. Seek the wisdom to see a betrayer and the grace to deal with them fairly. And I yeah, that's yeah, that's my prayer, you know, and that's my heart sort of when I sort of meditate on this and and when I think about this is, you know, just help me to deal with that person in a gracious way, but also help me to see it and actually take action when I do. Don't let it go. Yeah, you're so right. And that's a, that's a good place to finish on today. Well, so summing up today, be aware that this is going to happen. Be honest about it. Talk about it. Develop an environment where you can communicate and, and, it's, it's a learning lesson for everyone as well because your successes are going to deal with the same things down the track as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for today, Paul. We look forward to next week's episode. Thanks, Wes.